Empire. From the games to the lab. The usefulness of this is that it, it gives coaches and athletes very specific and precise information on exactly what the body is doing, which may come to a surprise to most people uh, is that information is not available. That's former Olympian Ashton Eaton, who is now using the lab of Intel to help future athletes understand how they move more efficiently. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Ashton Eaton was a two-time Olympic decathlete. Clearly, with that many interests and disciplines, finding ways to constantly improve was a key to his success. Even in the short time since his games, technology has improved, however, and he is now at what he hopes is the forefront of making the next Olympians perform even better. Our guest this week is Ashton Eaton, who is a decorated decathlete, two-time Olympic gold medalist, and now the product development engineer in Intel's Olympic Technology Group. And they are working on 3D athlete tracking, which is a technology that is helping aspiring professional athletes get to the top of their games. Hey, Ashton, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Doing well. Doing well, yeah, my pleasure. Um, Tell me a little bit about 3D athlete tracking. What do you guys do? Sure. So um, with uh, 3D athlete tracking, what we do is is we take um, video as input from, you know, phone or, um, you know, some kind of camera. And with that video, uh, we, we basically send it to computers and those computers um, find out where the body is, uh, identify the skeleton within that body, um, extract that skeletal motion over the duration of the video. And then basically perform um, kind of biomechanical analysis on on the skeleton. So if you imagine a very basic stick figure that maybe has 22 or so key points on it, um, being tracked over time, you can you can uh, start to um, you know ask questions about what those key points are doing. You know, how fast is are they going from left to right? Uh, what's the angle between um, three three of them, uh, or something like that? And so. Yeah, we basically use these metrics to try to figure out more about uh, what the body is doing when it's in motion. So um, take me through, okay, how this is utilized, say, in the sports in your disciplines, which are very specific movements in most cases. And in the case of where this is applying here with football players, where there are any number of different types of movements that they are going to be asked to perform within the course of a single play. So the usefulness of this is that it, it give coaches and athletes um, very specific and precise information on exactly what the body is doing, which may come to a surprise to most people uh, is that information is not available uh, today and has, has not ever really been in, in history. And so what's fascinating about sports uh, all the way up until this point in human history is that the way we've improved is basically by feel, you know, what the athlete feels, um, and then experience and vision. What the coach sees, 
and uh, you know what the coach and athlete have learned over time about their technique and how it equals um, a certain output. And that's basically it. So like when athletes go to practice and, uh, you know, you hear about Serena or back in the day, Michael Jordan, like shooting all these shots or taking all these uh, swings at a ball. What they're really doing is like trying to hone that feel and get the right outcome um, a, a higher percentage of the time when they're performing that move, movement. The big missing piece is what are they actually doing? Like, the reason it takes 10,000 hours or whatever is because um, it takes a long time to understand what motions of your body equal the right output. Um, but if you actually had the precise information of what you're doing, um, you know, hey, when you had a good hit, your wrist was going this fast and it was, um, you know, the angle of your racket was like this, that would allow that athlete to, I think, improve faster and, and uh, just unlock a little bit more information. And so it's really, it can be applied to, to, uh, you know, anything from a running perspective, specifically at training athletes, like really don't know how fast they're going. So if I do, uh, you know, a 40, a 40 yard uh, sprint out of the blocks, just to kind of um, work on my block start for the hundred meter, I can do it and we can time it and we can kind of get a general, um, yay over, you know, distance over time. Here's how fast you work for average, but it's like at every moment. Um, what was I, what was I doing? And so this will allow us to do that and be able to better make adjustments. Um, let me talk about uniformity then for, for just a moment. Um, take a basketball shot, you know, for, as an example, um, Steph Curry has a way of shooting the ball. Damian Lillard has a way of shooting the ball. They both are equally extremely successful, um, at doing that. And, and probably mm-hmm. to your point, they've been in gyms their entire lives, shooting shot after shot after shot and having that feel, or that muscle memory or whatever it is, you know, that becomes why they're so elite at what they do. Um, When you take technology like this, um, how does it become uniform or does it for athletes of this level? That's a good question. I, because this innovation is, um, you know, by definition kind of novel, I think it's, uh, I don't know the answer to that question. And I don't think it does become uniform. Um, I, like the way I think that data works is if, if we had, you know, every, if we had 10,000 shots from every basketball um, player in the league, um, there, there would be some standard um, distribution, right? There, there would be an average shot kind of motion that would equal a good outcome. But to your point, everybody's going to shoot differently and we just don't have that kind of information. So I think what's going to happen initially is, um, Every athlete will find what kind of works for them. Um, take me through your career for a moment in, in reaching the levels that you did as an, uh, as an Olympian. Um, what kind of technology sure. were you working with at the time? Yeah, so, you know, I started, I think, really getting to a professional level uh, in track and field when I was still in college. So in 2008, I won the NCAAs. I think I had, like, one of the top, you know, I don't know, 20 scores in the world. I got fifth at the Olympic trials. And in, in 2008, I mean, although all, honestly, from 2008 all the way through the extent of my career, the highest level of technology that we used regularly was video. And the, the real big breakthrough was slow motion video that I could basically scrub back and forth frame huh. by frame. <laughs> and this is my main method of um, analyzing my emotion. And uh, that's all I used. And I think, you know, 
probably 90% of the athletes use that today. And maybe within the last three or four years, uh, you know, soccer clubs or football clubs have started to add sensors to, to better understand what's going on. Um, uh, and there's sensors you can put on like, you know, uh, implements like bats and, and things like that to understand um, velocities and, and angles of those types of things. So it's the analogy I like to draw is um, when we first looked up into space with no instrument, just our eyes, everything was very coarse. Um, we kind of saw, you know, points of light and, and the moon had like dark spots on it. And then uh, Galileo made the telescope and he drew an image of the moon that was the most accurate at that time. And he found out that there were actually craters on it. So objects must have hit it. So just by that little invention of seeing things slightly more clearly, um, he unlocked a lot of information. And then if you fast forward to the Hubble telescope, we point it into the sky and we see galaxies and we yeah. understand that the universe is expanding and it's, you know, like all that kind of stuff. So, to me, we are still like in the Galileo telescope phase of um, <laughs> understanding kind of human motion. And we're, I think we're trying to, um, you know, show the future of what like a Hubble might be. Yeah. Even on the simplest terms, like you'll hear this from coaches after every football game where they're asked a question about something and they'll say, I need to look at the tape. And it's funny when you do, it does feel like an even to, you know, a, a, you know, an amateur eye like mine, you didn't see it the way you thought you saw it. And I would think on your level, um, oh, yeah. when you were watching yourself, um, was there these aha moments to you? Cause you're going oh, yeah. off a of feel and then you're watching yourself and going, something was amiss here. Yep. All the time when I'm doing a technique, let's say the javelin. And I know that my body needs to be in a certain position. Um, basically, when I do a practice throw, I try to put my body in that position. And you can basically only do that by feel. And uh, I will go and I'll do what I feel is right. Then I'll go back to the video and I'll see, oh no, it's wrong. Like what I thought I did isn't what I actually did now that I'm seeing it. And so that's a really hard place to be as an athlete because now you have to, to make some kind of mental adjustment and for, for as far as I can tell, it's kind of like electrochemical signals in your body. You have to kind of try to figure out how do I get my body to feel what I just saw and put it in the right position? Because I initially thought that's what I was doing, but I wasn't. And so it's like a super complex, um, and that's why I think sport is so interesting and, and human performance is so fascinating because we're able to kind of compute and do things intuitively um, at, at, at very like subtle levels. Uh, and it's just hard to see with the naked eye. Um, what's fascinating about computers is they can see um, pretty much, they can see in such um, way more fine detail and, and than the human eye can. And if you're watching something for just one second, they can pick up way more information than the human um, eyes and, and brain could ever pick up. And so once you kind of get down to those levels, things start to become really, really interesting. Um, in terms of all this data that you're getting, and then you want to siphon that down to the athlete themselves so that they can get better. Yeah. Um, what's yeah. the education curve with that? Are, 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 do you need people to decipher this for the athletes themselves? How, how does that kind of work? I think right now we're in the, we're in the data collection phase and kind of, kind of the technology development so that the, the information can get collected. Um, again, much like the Hubble, we just kind of launched it out there. And it's like, we're, yeah. we don't know where we're going to be. 
And then once you start seeing this stuff, then you start analyzing it. And it's going to take, I think, a long time uh, and, and a lot of um, kind of thought power from um, experts and experienced people in science and sport to analyze what it all means. Because we, we have no clue if the right wrist is correlated with the left ankle um, or if, how it's correlated with the left ankle when oh. somebody's sprinting. You know, we, we know they just are, you know, opposite for lack of a better term, but like, what is, why and what does that mean? What happens when you like make a slight adjustment to either one? Um, and so I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for kind of a, a data science uh, approach, just analyzing information, if you will, um, and getting answers because right now it's pretty ambiguous. Um, uh, there, but, but I think we'll start simple. We'll start with what we know, like, hey, velocity, right? Let's just yeah. track the velocity of the body over time, make an adjustment, see if the velocity changes. Um, experiments like that. Um, in your case, you know, you, you're a solo practitioner in your sports and technique matters and, but it's a zero sum game in the end. Like all this, all this information helps you get better. Um, but whoever throws the javelin the farthest is going to be the one throwing it in the Olympic games. Like there's zero sum game that's exact, that's, that's there in working with team sports and take football players, since you guys are working with aspiring professional football players, this has the feel of, it may change the way people view um, uh, scouting, um, you know, we've used different yeah. types of metrics like 40 yard dashes in the combine and he lifts this amount of weight and he jumps this high and this could change all of that, right? Typically any, um, additional new information that's brought into, um, a field or into existence in the, in society, like tends to change the, the paradigm or the approach. Because um, we just, you know, you know new things. You don't know what you don't know. And I do think that there will be initial attempts to, um, in, in, the, in the sports where there's a lot of money, to like try to make some kind of economic viability <laughs> um, out of using technology like this. Like, and from a scouting perspective, that's, that's the most obvious. But I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if today, um, people in baseball and in soccer and in football already have criteria that they're looking at um, in athletes to determine their potential. Mm. Whether that criteria is right in determining that potential or not is a question. Um, but I think more information will help make more informed decisions. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, how, how did you end up getting into all of this? What's your background? Obviously, you're a high-level athlete. How did, how did you end up in this track? I mean, when I was in college, I studied uh, psychology and did sports and then retired after after Rio in 2016. And I think I was always interested in kind of um, doing something outside of sport to either advance human performance. I've always been interested in kind of space and science and sustainability. And so really my, my next move was kind of to go, go um, learn more about engineering and science. And so... While I was in school going for another degree um, in engineering, I met somebody at Intel because they invited me to speak on a panel. Um, and they were telling me about what they were working on, and it was this project. And then they showed me um, how it worked and what it, you know, the future was they were trying to drive towards with it. I said, man, that's really awesome. Um, you know, I would have definitely used that. And I've always believed that uh, we, we have pretty limited knowledge about what the human body is doing in the first place. I said, well, would you like to work on it? And so I started working on that part-time um, while, while I was in school. And uh, yeah, still, still pursuing the engineering degree. 
Um, Very cool. Um, and this is all new. I'd love to catch up with you six months or a year from now and, and see where you guys are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, this is, I think, the early stages. I think we're doing um, something that'll just kind of set precedent. Um, where people have obviously kind of been tracking skeletons for a while with computer vision and cars, um, research studies, um, and I, there, there are other folks who are capturing, uh, you know, skeletons with video uh, without sensors. But I think this is the first time we're like really applying it um, in, a, in a useful way to um, sports performance. And so once, you know, I think people start hearing about all these things that today that are that will be coming out, then I'd be like, OK, now, you know, here we go. This is exists in the world and uh, see where we, where we can go with it. It's very cool. Ashton Eaton is a two-time Olympic gold medalist in the decathlon, is the product development engineer in Intel's Olympic Technology Group, and is helping pilot Intel's 3D athlete tracking technology. Thank you so much for joining us, Ashton. It's a pleasure having you. Yeah, my pleasure. On the next Future Sport Podcast. In the UK, welcoming back the rabid soccer fans is how the Premier League teams are preparing. I think from a from a vision perspective for the partnership and, and, and the app is, is to provide content in a way that meets and surpasses our, our fans' expectations. That's Luke Nicholson, branded content director for Southampton FC. He'll join us with Adam Goodyear, the founder and CEO of Real Life Tech, to discuss the return of the fans to major sporting events. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.